We don't agree on everything. But we love Georgia. And want fair elections. We need hand-marked paper ballots. Oh, there's an idea. Hand-marked paper ballots? In Georgia? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, well, maybe. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. <laughs> and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with, with you. With some good news for a change from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN in Palinville, New York on WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I am tossing out everything I had planned, Desi Doyen. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, I am. Uh, There is a whole lot going on today, but you know what? Others will cover that. Only the Bradcast is likely to cover this, at least with the coverage that it deserves, as it, I think, is arguably one of the most important stories of the day and perhaps of the year, and not to overstate it, but maybe of the last decade or two. Well, that sounds important. Just saying. All right. So on yesterday's program, I uh, detailed the new National effort being launched by Georgia's popular Democrat, Stacey Abrams, called Fair Fight 2020, in which the Fair Fight organization that she formed in Georgia after the 2018 election debacle in that state last November, that effort to fight for fair elections is now being expanded nationwide to help fight voter suppression in at least 20 swing states before next year's crucial presidential elections. Now, Abrams is uh, reported to have very narrowly lost her run for governor last year in Georgia against then-Republican Secretary of State, now-Governor Brian Kemp, who Abrams describes as an architect, a master architect of voter suppression, and she's right. He oversaw his own elections on the state's 100% unverifiable, easily hacked, oft-failed, debold touchscreen voting systems last November. And in the bargain, Abrams was blocked from becoming the nation's first African-American female governor, at least for now. 
in what is now very much, very clearly, the swing state of Georgia. But when Abrams launched her voting rights organization called Fair Fight last year, just for the state of Georgia before she expanded it nationally this week, it was in response to that outrageously corrupt election said to have been won by Kemp in Georgia. And, of course, we know it's true because Kemp was the one who certified his own victory as governor. So I'm sure that's all on the up and up. Yeah, no conflict of interest there. She, uh, When she uh, launched that organization, she released a video featuring her and a Republican county election officials call, uh, official calling for, among other things, hand-marked paper ballots in the long-beleaguered touchscreen state of Georgia. Smile. <laughs> I'm Republican Natalie Crawford, County Commissioner in North Georgia. And I'm Democrat Stacey Abrams from Atlanta. We don't agree on everything. But we love Georgia. And want fair elections. Every vote should be counted from every corner of our state. We need hand-marked paper ballots and our election officials to have the support they need. Join us in the fight for election reform. Take a selfie and share your support. Use hashtag fair elections now. Because picturing fair elections is something we can all do. Fair elections in the state of Georgia. Can we all do that? Well, a federal judge in Georgia today as part of a long-running federal lawsuit challenging the use of Georgia's unverifiable, long-failed Diebold touchscreen systems has brought us at least one step closer to the goal of verifiable elections in the state of Georgia. Now, we have been covering this case for a long time. Uh, And one of the lead plaintiffs, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition of uh, Good Governance, she has joined us throughout the case uh, for key updates as it's moved forward, painstakingly slowly at times, but it has moved forward. And uh, she joins us today because we have, I think, the most important and perhaps even groundbreaking ruling to date in this case. And Marilyn will be here shortly to explain what I think. I see as a pretty huge victory regarding the constitutionality of touchscreen voting systems, not just in Georgia, but in this country. Now, there are a few caveats that I hope to discuss with uh, with Marilyn. But before we get to her today, I want to share some of the background on this from the from the judge herself today, U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg. She issued this landmark 153-page ruling today in response to so much that has gone on in Georgia in recent years around its horrible, unverifiable election system that we have covered year after year after year. And uh, frankly, the judge responds here to the lies and obstruction That the former Secretary of State Brian Kemp and now the new Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger have thrown in the way of the court making its uh, ruling on this challenge to the touchscreen computer voting systems in Georgia, which, as I say, could affect all such systems across the country. All right. From. Uh, Judge Totenberg's ruling today in the introduction, she writes approximately two months before the 2018 Georgia state general election. This court recognized in its first preliminary injunction order that the state, quote, stood by for two for far too long in failing to address the, quote, mounting tide of evidence of the inadequacy and security risks 
posed by Georgia's Direct Recording Electronic Voting System or a DRE system. The court at that time found the plaintiffs were substantially likely to succeed on the merits of their claims, that they faced an imminent threat of the diminishment and burdening of their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights to cast a vote that is properly counted. The court, however, back in 2018, ultimately determined that the plaintiffs' 11th hour request for an immediate rollout of paper ballots statewide would likely adversely impact the public interest in an orderly and fair election. In other words, this request came a little bit too late for the 2018 elections. She goes on, but with the 2020 elections looming around the corner, the court advised the state defendants that any new balloting system adopted by the state should address democracy's critical need for transparent, fair, accurate and verifiable election processes that guarantee each citizen's fundamental right to cast an accountable vote. The court also expressly warned defendants, that is the state of Georgia, that is the Secretary of State Raffensperger and the governor, Brian Kemp, that further delay by the state in remediating its technologically outdated and vulnerable voting system would be intolerable. And any future timeliness objections relating to the state's inability to comply with the requested relief would be of the state's own making. The plaintiffs seek injunctive relief to remedy the claimed unconstitutional gauntlet of state election system practices that continue to thwart and burden their right to vote. And they seek to require the state's use of hand-marked paper ballots in the 2019 municipal and county elections and thereafter. The plaintiffs also seek equitable relief in connection with the Secretary of State's continued use of an electronic voter registration pollbook system, which they contend is riddled with data reliability and accuracy problems that result in the unconstitutional disenfranchisement and burdening of voters' rights to cast regular ballots that are actually counted. Plaintiffs' new motions present testimony manifesting a catalog of pervasive voting problems arising in the 2017-2018 election period that compounds and expands the evidence established in the September 2018 preliminary injunction record compiled before the November 2018 general election, which itself yielded voluminous voting process complaints as well as litigation. In other words, she's saying here that, hey, these guys, these plaintiffs came to us came to the court before 2018 and said our right to vote is being blocked by the use of these electronic voting systems. And the court at that time said, yeah, I think you're right, but we don't have enough time to make sure that everyone can vote with a hand-marked paper ballot system before the uh, 2018 system. So let it be known to the state that we need to get rid of these systems as soon as possible after the 2018 election. And then the 2018 election came and it had all kinds of problems, including those that led Stacey Abrams to uh, kick off her fair fight uh, organization in Georgia and now expand it to at least 20 states nationally, because this is not just a Georgia problem. This is a problem that is happening 
everywhere and has been for many, many years. And and it's just kind of shocking when you think about it that the 2018 election basically proved everything that the plaintiffs were arguing prior to that election, yeah. saying, you got to stop it because this is going to happen, that's going to happen, all of that stuff actually happened. And then it did happen, and the judge says, yes, it yielded voluminous voting complaints and litigation. She goes on to write, cumulatively, plaintiffs in this case have marshaled a large body of evidence to demonstrate the burdens to the voting process and to the casting of a secure, reliable, counted ballot that voters across Georgia, including plaintiffs, have experienced. The record in this case, she writes, is substantial. And that's an understatement. This case arises in a technology context where Georgia's current voting equipment, software, election, and voter databases are antiquated, seriously flawed, and vulnerable to failure, breach, contamination, and attack. The ongoing breach of the state's Center for Election Systems servers, computer networks, and data Housed at Kennesaw State University in uh, 2016 and 2017, unfortunately was an early talismanic event in this saga, as was the subsequent wiping of the Center for Election Systems voting system servers upon public exposure of the breach immediately following, uh, following the filing of this lawsuit. Right after this lawsuit was filed, the state at their Center for Elections Systems, which was housed at Kennesaw State University, wiped out a couple of a couple of servers that were discovered to have been sitting out there exposed on the Internet for at least uh, six months or probably much longer, perhaps even years. A data researcher had discovered that all of this data, including passwords for Georgia's voting systems, was just sitting out there on the Internet unprotected. And he told the state of Georgia and they said, oh, OK, thank you very much. We'll take care of it. And then six months later, he checked again and all of that information was still there. And when uh, these folks, these plaintiffs here filed lawsuit about all of this, what did Georgia do? They wiped out the evidence. They destroyed the evidence. They destroyed the server. The state defendant's refusal to fully acknowledge or remedy these circumstances, the judge writes, and their broader ramifications for the voting system's security and reliability, both before and after the Secretary of State's office took over the, uh, the CES's functions, has flagged other similar troubles. So when those troubles came up, Secretary of State said, oh, we're going to take this away from Kennesaw State University. We'll take care of this. They're too irresponsible. They left all that material out there on the Internet, unguarded. <clears throat> well, the judge here says things have not gotten better. The court, she writes, does not minimize the challenges any state faces in operating a secure, reliable voting system in the current cyber era. Still, the defendants have been slow and poorly equipped in tackling the security and functionality challenges afflicting, afflicting its current voting system and the well-established deficiency of its non-auditable DRE voting systems, the touchscreen voting systems that they have been using since 2002 in the state. And defendants' inconsistent candor with the court, 
about the uh, hack and the security of their servers, as well as other germane subsequent voting system security issues, impacts the evidence. The inconsistent candor of the defendants with the court. In other words, she's saying the state of Georgia has been lying to the court about what has been hacked and what has not been hacked. The imminent threats of contamination, dysfunction, and attacks on state and county voting systems disparaged by the Secretary of State's representatives at the 2018 hearing virtually as a fantasy. In other words, the Secretary of State back in 2018 was calling the plaintiffs uh, conspiracy theorists. They're fantasists. They're making stuff up. They're making up dangers. So uh, the uh, threats... Uh, that the secretary regarded as uh, as a fantasy and and minimized as speculative at the 2019 hearing uh, that was 2018. Er- no, the 2019 oh. hearing that was oh. earlier this year. Uh, they have been identified in the most credible major national and state cybersecurity studies and official government reports. And she says in real life. This played out with the United States July 2018 criminal indictment of a host of Russian intelligence agents for conspiracy to hack into the computers of various state and county boards of elections and their vendors, as well as agents efforts during the 2016 election, the presidential election to identify election data systems, uh, data system vulnerabilities through probing of county election websites in Georgia and other states. And that was found uh, in one of the lawsuits against uh, some of the Russians that was filed out of the Robert Mueller case. They found that, in fact, uh, these Russian agents had been trying to get into Georgia's systems, whether the election systems, whether they got in or not. We don't know. But some data researcher was able to do so pretty easily. It's here in the U.S. It doesn't take a nation state to hack these systems. It certainly doesn't take a nation state to hack into Georgia's system. Similarly, the judge writes, the record demonstrates the perilous vulnerability and unreliability of the state's electronic voter registration system, as well as its burdening of Georgia's citizens' right to cast a vote that will reliably be counted. That is uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Amy Totenberg today in this 153-page ruling. She goes on to explain how plaintiffs seek a ban once and for all on Georgia's current direct recording electronic touchscreen voting systems in favor of hand-marked paper ballots. So did the judge give them that order? Will Georgia voters finally be able to vote verifiably at the polling place, at least in the next presidential election well for the answers to that and much more plaintiff marilyn marks joins us next with the mostly good news because it seems to me at least for now that the plaintiffs have won this round and it is a very big win i think especially after so many years of this fight Stay tuned for that. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. (laughs) 
Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. DJ Khaled! Yeah. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. Right? And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Yeah. And they say yeah. They stay there and when Marilyn yeah. Marks walks into the building. Welcome back. To the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, in federal U.S. District Court, Judge Amy Totenberg's conclusion to her 153-page order issued today in Atlanta, Georgia, in the motion by plaintiffs to permanently and irrevocably end the use of Georgia's nearly 20-year-old, 100% unverifiable, Oft failed, easily hacked, easily manipulated Diebold touchscreen voting systems that the state has been using since 2002. In that uh, conclusion to her ruling today, Judge Totenberg writes, the plaintiff's voting claims go to the heart of a functioning democracy. As the court commented in its order last year, putting the state on notice just before the 2018 election, when plaintiffs also sought to end the use of these unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. She wrote, A wound or reasonably threatened wound to the integrity of a state's election system carries grave consequences beyond the results in any specific election as it pierces citizens' confidence in the electoral system and the value of voting. The reality and public significance of the wounds here, she writes, should be evident and were, in fact, last year. The long and twisting saga of Georgia's non-auditable direct recording electronic voting systems, the judge writes, running on software of almost two decades vintage with well-known flaws and vulnerabilities and limited cybersecurity is finally headed towards its conclusion. Well, that's good news. There are a lot of folks who have been waiting to read something like that from this court and, frankly, from any court where these unverifiable touchscreen voting systems have been a bane of American democracy for the past two decades and maybe about to get worse in a number of states and counties across the country who, for some reason, are now moving to similar systems. But in Georgia, at least for today... At least the judge's ruling in this long challenge that we have been covering on this show for several years now to its particularly horrible Diebold touchscreen voting systems comes, I believe, as very good and long overdue news for the plaintiffs. And yes, for folks like me who have been trying for the past 15 or so years to explain how antithetical to democracy and frankly dangerous these 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems are for voters of any and all political stripes. So 
What exactly is that very good, long-overdue news for the plaintiffs and for all of Georgia's voters? Joining us once again, as she has so many times over the past three years or so, as this case has been maddeningly slow working its way through the federal court system, is Marilyn Marks, longtime election integrity expert and advocate as the executive director of the Nonpartisan Coalition for Good Governance, one of the plaintiffs in this federal case hoping to block the use of Georgia's touchscreen voting systems once and for all and move the state to verifiable hand-marked paper ballots once and for all. Marilyn Marks, welcome back, and I'm pretty sure here, congratulations. Yes, thank you so much, Brad. I I appreciate the support that has gotten us this far. I, Absolutely. I, it's a good ruling. I think so. I, that's why I say I'm pretty sure, because there are a few points on which Judge Totenberg denied some of your requests uh, while agreeing to others. And as far as I've been able to read so far in this 153-page order, uh, setting up what is likely to be another fight before all of this is said and done on the new <laughs> systems being planned for Georgia. Georgia in 2020. But okay, I've been scrambling through this ruling as quickly as I can today, Marilyn. I haven't been able to get through all of it. I don't know even if you have been able to either. It's just out. I have not. So don't ask me any hard questions. Okay, I'll go easy on you. Uh, well, and I will tell you this the judge's anger at the state and it seemed to be palpable, frankly, uh, and her decisions uh, in favor of the plaintiffs are very clear. But as noted, this appears to be a huge victory, at least for now, for the coalition plaintiffs. What did the court rule today in the simplest terms? The court ruled that DREs are unconstitutional and that any, um, anybody voting on these things should be worried about their vote. Brad, of course this doesn't just relate to Georgia, and mm -hmm. that's why you are kind enough to have me on your show. This is a federal court where the words of this federal court will be heard around the United States. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this will have an impact on other jurisdictions, although maybe not a direct immediate impact, but that they will hear the words of this court, read the very serious admonitions of this court. And those jurisdictions that still believe that it is okay to be voting on paperless DREs will stop and think twice and read the judge's words about hand-marked paper ballots, which it's quite clear that she is comfortable with. And it is obviously clear that she's, she's concerned about the state's move to, um, to ballot-marking devices, which we will take up. But before we move on, mm -hmm. one point that the press has been missing that I, I know that you have not missed and that, that you will celebrate with us. Mm -hmm. And that is, she said, enough of these silly poll book errors that mm -hmm. are disenfranchising people. Enough of this blaming the electronic poll books for people um, not being able to vote. Mm -hmm. And that she's telling them, you've got to fix this. You've got to prepare a plan that will be implemented at the first of this year to stop it with the electronic poll book errors, and you've got to have an accurate paper backup in the polling place 
and, to adjudicate problems. And and let me unpack just a few of those points there. First, uh, she banned the DREs. That's the direct recording electronic touchscreen systems that produce no paper record whatsoever, the ones they've been using for 20 years. But... And we'll get to the poll books in a moment. Uh, So she banned those, but only as of the end of this year. So once again, those systems can be used in uh, in in uh, municipal elections this November in the state of Georgia. But then no more. Never again. Period. After 2019 and uh, into the 2020 election. Do I understand that correctly? That's right, Brad, and I would say that while they can be used in November, they shouldn't be used in November. Right. And in November, um, the they are primarily municipal and small county elections mm-hmm. that will occur in November. Now, there are a lot of them, and they're important. Mm-hmm. You know, the mayor, the mayors are being elected, the city councils are being elected, city sales taxes are being um, voted on, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And you know what? Those people on the ballot, those people voting in the municipalities should demand right now, right now is the time to do it, that their county, their municipality mm-hmm. go ahead and use hand-marked paper ballots. They've got the equipment for it. They've got the know-how. They ought to do it and audit. And, and why not go ahead? And, and that is something that you argued uh, last year, in this case, in advance of the 2018 elections, that in fact, even though the entire state uses these unverifiable DRE touchscreen systems, all the counties across the state already use hand-marked paper ballot systems for their absentee voters. So why not just print a few more of those ballots and and put them into the in, into the precincts? Nothing stops them from doing that if they choose to do that. A- am I right, or does the state prevent them from doing right. that? Well, the state used to try to prevent them from doing that, but mm-hmm. the judges said, no, oh, there is no state law on that. Plus, municipalities, of course, have even more running room in the opportunity to choose the type of election they want. Mm-hmm. So they definitely have the freedom to do it. And as far as I'm concerned, Brad, they've got the moral and ethical obligation to do it. Yeah, particularly given the findings uh, from uh, spelled out from the judge today about the dangers of these systems. All right, so that's the November election. Next year, in 2020, big presidential year, obviously, very important state, swing state now of, uh, of Georgia. They're going to move to a new system. We'll talk about that in a moment because there's questions about that new systems big time but you mentioned the uh the vulnerable electronic poll book systems that they use in georgia this is something that's been a problem frankly all over the country uh where jurisdictions are moving to these uh systems these electronic regist- voting registration uh, systems at the polling place without paper backups of the poll books at each precinct. So what is the danger of that uh, overall in a general sense, Marilyn Marks, and and what specific concerns did the judge express for Georgia specifically and their uh, so-called express poll book system made and uh, serviced by the uh, ES&S company, my friends at ES&S? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, just like with any computerized voting component, mm-hmm. it can be hacked. There can be errors. There can be um, misprogramming. And that's been occurring in Georgia. She asked us to bring her evidence. Mm-hmm. We brought her hundreds of affidavits of people who were turned away at the polls, who should not have been. 
uh, we we brought her evidence of um, software problems in the EPO book system, and therefore she said, "Enough of this. Go fix the system." And um, that's something that's been needed for some time. We we have been asking this court for that since we began this journey two years ago, and she she has told them, you've got to fix this, and you have to fix it before the first of the year. And this is something that people don't understand. Those electronic poll books, if you get access to those, you can change uh, who can and can't vote. And that was something that came up in the uh, in the Robert Mueller uh, special counsel report. The Republican, the new Republican governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, recently said he was told by the FBI that Russia had accessed uh, the voter registration databases in several counties in Florida. So you don't have to change the results on uh, voting machines or election uh, uh, tabulators. You can actually throw an election by throwing the electronic poll books if people show up and they're told they're that you know they're no longer on the books so that they already voted via absentee, right? Or, or absolutely, and we had plenty of those cases, and we had this strange case of a software issue in Georgia mm-hmm. where if um, if you show up at the wrong polling place, Brad, mm-hmm. um, and in your, the Green Street polling place, and they'll say, no, you need to go to the Mulberry Street. When you get to Mulberry Street, there is this glitch in the system that they will say, oh, no, you are belonged at Maple Street. Mm-hmm. They will run you around all afternoon until you run out of time to vote. And so, you know, with the failures of electronic voting, isn't it insane, Marilyn, that on the heels of that, the all of these jurisdictions, states and counties, then move to these electronic uh, poll books just to make things worse, it seems like. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get it as to why computerized records can be very helpful here, but let's use some common sense. And the judge has said, have a paper backup so that if there is a question that needs to be adjudicated, use the official paper backup. Mm -hmm. And look it up right there, and then don't run people away from the polls. Give Give them their ballot. Yeah, because you know if there's an elect uh, 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 an electricity out, uh, outage or an internet outage on election day, if that's all they have to rely on is these electronic poll books, once again voters are screwed. But apparently Georgia does not seem to much care about that. Uh, Marilyn Judge Totenberg <laughs> writes in the uh, in in the intro to her ruling today, quote. Defendants, she's talking about the state here, defendants' inconsistent candor with the court about the, uh, the there was a hack of the, uh, at the uh, Kennesaw State University, which used to run uh, Georgia's elections, uh, about the Kennesaw hack and the security of the servers, as well as other germane subsequent voting system security issues, impacts the evidence. Inconsistent candor. From the state, uh, Marilyn, that seems like a very, a very polite way of Judge Totenberg saying that the state lied to the court. I, am I correct about that? It is. It is exactly that. Yes, there is. There was quite a lot of inconsistent candor. I do need to remember that euphemism. Yes. Um, the uh, yes. Um, there was quite a bit of that um, in the in the state's testimony in the courtroom, in depositions, and even in um, status conferences that the court had 
with, you know, with the party. Mm -hmm. It was pretty amazing to hear some of the things that we heard coming out of the Secretary of State staff Mm -hmm. that were just absolutely black and white lies. And they didn't mind lying to the court. And one has to wonder, Brad, what is it that they are hiding that makes it worth lying to the court and and facing the potential consequences of lying to the court. Yeah, and I wonder if you can move for sanctions here against the state for these lies. I mean, (laughs) I'm not kidding. She writes, uh, given the entire course of events, the defendant's contention that the servers were simply repurposed and not intentionally destroyed or wiped is flatly not credible. She's talking there uh, about the fact that just, I think, days after you filed your lawsuit uh, a couple of years ago now, They, yeah. uh, the state of Georgia, completely destroyed all of the servers that were uh, yeah. hanging out there, vulnerable yeah. on the internet for a while, and now they lied about it. Yes, and yes, they claimed that they it was merely routine maintenance, and just they needed to repurpose these five-year-old servers. And I mean, she could see through that. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have that. Well, you asked me if we we have moved for sanctions. We are, in fact, drafting our sanctions motion um, on that on the amount of lawyers' fees and expenses that we have incurred um, because of some of the very recent lying that they engaged in, in terms of some of the databases that we needed to get. They made us spend into six figures of legal fees and new computers and that sort of thing to do something that was completely unnecessary uh, because because they were willing to lie to the court. So you, yes, you will see sanctions motions coming from us. You don't mean li- you don't mean lies. You mean inconsistent candor coming. Oh yeah, from that's, the what state. I mean. that's, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. So yes, yes, that's what I meant. Why, uh, Marilyn? Why did the judge not just ban these systems entirely for November as well? Now she banned them for 2020, but why didn't she ban them for the November elections? And and how do you feel about her reasoning there? Well, um, you know, I think that when the state, Mm -hmm. with their county election officials, come in and they say to the judge, Your Honor, we just can't do it. It's going to be too confusing. It's going to be too costly. We don't know how to do it. Um, Then I think it's very hard for a court to look at 159 counties, Mm -hmm. 300 or 400 municipalities, and say, Well, you know what? You've got three or four months to figure it out. I think that um, she's very concerned mm-hmm. that some of them may not have the capability to do it well. And so, of course, she does not want to undermine any voter's right to vote um, by being caught up in chaos and confusion. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she doesn't know what we know, that, that the these... County officials are totally overstating the the administrative effort to move to a handmarked paper ballot system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's basically giving them more time. Right. 
Well, and but she, which which I would accept, except she also gave them more time last year before the 2018 election when you essentially made the same argument. She said, well, I agree with you. These systems should never, ever be used. However, the election is coming up in a couple of months, so we'll let them use them one more time. Seems like she's letting them use them two more times uh, at this rate. Right, right. So. But, but what she did do, I don't know if you've had the chance to read the part where she says, look, um, and of course I'm totally paraphrasing here, she mm-hmm. didn't use these words, but she, you know, she says, look, I'm not so sure you guys are going to get in this new system by March 2020, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to have this system challenged anyway. Mm-hmm. So I want you to practice. <laughs> I want you to select some counties in November and have them do hand-marked paper ballots. I want, uh, I, I want to see this experiment oh, happen. Again, I'm totally, I'm totally paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But so we will see some hand-marked paper ballot exercises done this fall. Good. So that, so that it can be demonstrated yeah. that, that it's realistic, it can be done, and then enough of this whining that, oh, we don't know how to mark a pen and a paper. Yeah, it'll be too confusing for voters. They won't what, fill in the oval with a pen? How would anybody know how to do that? <laughs> right. I, 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 it'll take years to instead, teach them. Instead, the state says, we'll do something easier. They can print out a QR code yes. and cast that as their ballot and try to figure out what it says. Well, exactly. And that is uh, sort of the, <laughs> the, the other downside here, sort of, of today's ruling. Uh, Judge Totenberg has allowed uh, the state, for now anyway, to move forward with its decision to spend some, I think it's $107 million in, in uh, taxpayer money on new also 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by the Canadian firm Dominion Voting uh, to use next year in the crucial 2020 presidential elections. Uh, These are the so-called BMD or ballot marking devices. They also use a touchscreen. A voter uh, then prints out what they selected in theory on that touchscreen. And then that computer marked ballot is scanned by yet another computer. But the judge uh, expressed no small amount of skepticism about that new uh, system and said that we may be, uh, she said that there may be a new fight, that it may be like deja vu all over again concerning right. those right. systems, right? So do you right. plan to sue to block so, those new systems as well? Um, absolutely, Brad. And so something I'd like to maybe... Um, uh, tweak a little bit. Uh, you said that she permitted them to go forward. She had no choice about that because that question was not before her. Mm. That we nobody had asked that question yet mm-hmm. as to whether or not they can use those because she had told us back uh, when we told her we wanted to challenge them. She says you need to be able to give me specifics mm-hmm. in order to for me to rule on this. You need to know exactly what system the state is going to be using and when. Well, it was only Friday mm-hmm. that they named that they the Dominion system and certified it. Mm-hmm. So it, that was only you know it was less than a week ago. Right. So we began preparing our supplemental complaint that will be filed with her in the next couple of three weeks, and so we will absolutely be launching a constitutional challenge 
against ballot marking devices, and I know that is music to your ears. Yes. And so, it, and as you say, she expressed no small amount of skepticism about ballot marking devices, but she had no choice but to let them go forward because she can't reach out and say, well, I just don't like what the legislature did. Mm-hmm. You know, she yeah. has to have in front of her the facts and a motion and a request to um, to to force the state to abandon those. And, and that is our next mission here. I was going to say that request sounds like it is uh, definitely coming. Now, the the state here, uh, namely uh, former Secretary of State, now Governor Brian Kemp, and the new Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Uh, they have pushed their luck with this judge. Uh, they were quoted, actually, Raffensperger was quoted by Reuters today uh, saying that you, Marilyn Marks, and your plaintiff friends are using scare tactics to try to undermine <laughs> Georgia elections. Well, first, do you have a response to that, as long as I mentioned it? It's hard to respond with any kind of ladylike language that you would let me say on the air. Okay. <laughs> um, but talk about scare tactics. Adopting a QR code, a, a, if people in your audience don't know, mm-hmm. the little square data matrix that's on your bag of potato chips. Yeah, the barcode. That you cannot read. Yeah. The barcode. Right. Adopting that as your official vote that you cannot know what you're voting for, now that is a scare tactic. Oh, you're... That is scary. No, it (laughs) is. That is is scary. It is scary. You cannot verify. Nobody can read a... uh, No humans can read a barcode, and yet that's what they're going to use on the new computer-marked systems uh, if they have their way, if Marilyn Marks does not stop them. Uh, But in any event, they have uh, pushed their luck, I think, with this judge... Uh, appealing and seeking stays and slow walking just about everything. And it sure feels in reading her uh, ruling today that her patience has has finally run out on these guys, uh, not to mention all of their inconsistent candor with the court. Uh, do, do, you, do you expect that the state here uh, following this ruling will once again try to appeal this ruling? Or do they finally know they've lost this one and they're they're happy that, well, at least they get to for now move forward uh, they get to use the unconstitutional systems one more time in November and then move forward with the new system next year. You know, Brad, I just don't know what to predict from them. Um, I, I, I don't know. And, and quite frankly, the brief chance that our attorneys have had to, um, to go through this order, we didn't even spend any time speculating on what the state might do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't know um, what what they are whether or not they would try for an appeal, but surely they realize that the handwriting is on the wall and they've got to quit fighting for unverifiable elections. Mm. Yeah, I would think Georgia voters are going to get pretty sick and tired of this, and most of these guys are elected officials. So um, I think that um, they need to consider the political consequences if they want to continue to fight for unverifiable elections. Well, let's hope the handwriting isn't only on the wall, but it is actually on the paper ballots in next year's elections <laughs> uh, in the state of Georgia. Marilyn Marks, I, I want to say, uh, you know, we, we will continue to cover this because I think it's not over, clearly, by a long shot. But this is a huge ruling today. It's important not just for Georgia, but for the entire country, because other uh, states also use very similar systems. And so to find these unconstitutional, I think it's going to have some huge reverberations. So I want to say... 
Uh, congrats and thank you. And once thank again, you. this is one of the reasons why I have long been pushing folks to support the work that the Coalition for Good Governance is doing, as I think it is among the most important advocacy work, for, period, right now in this country, because the, the, the need and the right to overseeable, fair, transparent elections underscores everything else that we are fighting for in this country. And you guys uh, have been doing uh, some of the most crucial work in court in those efforts. So I hope that folks will drop by coalitionforgoodgovernance.org, drop a few dollars in the tip jar. I don't recommend that uh, for you, my other guest, uh, but, but this is uh, not uh, cheap work and it's, uh, it's not being supported by the major parties or even the big voting rights groups out there as it should be. Uh, so uh, please go to coalitionforgoodgovernance.org and help Marilyn Marks keep up this fight. Thank you so much, Brad. We so appreciate the support. You bet, and I appreciate your work. Marilyn Marks can be found on the Twitters at Marilyn R. Marks. One, that's the number one, Marilyn R. Marks, number one, and of course at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. Stay in touch, Marilyn. I suspect we will be talking again soon on this. I uh, will look forward to it. Thanks now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, can you tell I'm kind of giddy today, Desi? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very big deal. It's and, a big deal. And, and I think what's really, really cool about it is it shows that it can be done. It can be done. But it takes, apparently, how long have I been... I mean, this system, the Georgia system, these were the ones that we... we I got a... Uh, from a insider, I got a one of these systems that I was able to get to Princeton University back in 2005, and they found that it was hackable in like 30 seconds time. That's how long we've been dealing with this. That was that same system, the same one they use in Georgia, is the one that they hacked back when Alex Halderman, who is her expert on this now, one of her expert witnesses, when he was a student back at Princeton, <laughs> he was the one uh, who worked on that original hack. It has taken all this time, and it, of course, has never been only about Georgia. It's about all of the states who all use similar systems to these. Exactly. But again, it proves it can be done. The wheels of justice move very, very slowly, but you got to put your shoulder to the wheel and yeah. you got to push it and make it work, make it happen. And again, not about Georgia. This is about the voters in Georgia and in every state of the union. Okay. So the one thing in the show, does that I did not throw out today uh, <laughs> for this uh, Georgia case is your Green News Report. And that comes up next after this break. She'll bring us all way down with it, as usual, I'm sure. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today 
to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. So, you know, Des, once we uh, get hand-marked paper ballots in all 50 states and we get all 50 states to hand-count all of them, I could quit this entirely. I can quit this job entirely and go do something that's way more fun. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. It's a wonder it hasn't happened so, yet. So, uh, that's what I'm thinking to myself. Well, then I could quit and go on and do something else. And then I think, oh, wait, global warming. That's probably going to be even uh, even more difficult to take care of in it yeah yeah but by the way we should say this is the bradcast and you are brad friedman yes i am don't rub it in <laughs> let's get to it our latest green news report health effects can range from skin rations to organ failure a threat many pet owners don't know about until it's too late global warming fueled algae blooms killing dogs in several states i just want to say one word to you yes sir Plastics. Big oil now pushing big time into plastics manufacturing. Plastic pollution found falling in snow in the Arctic. Plus, it's more of a fossil fuel protection plan, but more importantly, it's against the law. Democratic states and cities sue to stop Trump EPA's dirty power plan. All of that dirt and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Trump administration finalized plans to weaken the Endangered Species Act. There is one small piece of good news in this story. The rules are not retroactive to past endangered species. So, if you're already extinct, nothing to worry about. (laughs) You're good to go. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, Donald Trump actually tilting at actual windmills once again. Yes, yes, he was. President Trump was attacking the wind energy industry again in a rambling campaign-style appearance in Pennsylvania on Tuesday. We'll spare you his repetitive false claims about wind energy. Thank you. He was at a new Shell natural gas plant where he again tried to claim credit for the plant, even though it was begun under the Obama administration. However, that shell plant is part of an ominous trend. It's part of the oil industry's push into plastics manufacturing, using their oil and natural gas as feedstock so they can maintain profitability as the world transitions away from polluting gasoline vehicles to clean electric vehicles. So the world is getting tired of oil, and so big oil is now finding something even more reprehensible to move into? Plastics? Making even more plastic to pollute the world, even as governments are struggling with the cost of cleaning up plastic pollution, and even as there is a growing global plastics recycling crisis in the wake of China and other Asian countries banning nearly all plastic recycling trash from the West earlier this year. 
And now a new study shows that the plastic pollution problem is so ubiquitous, it is falling from the sky in snow in the Arctic. German researchers say they were shocked and dismayed by the sheer amount they found, 10,000 pieces of microscopic plastic pollution per liter of snow. They say it indicates that microplastic pollution is being transported on air currents, meaning that people may be inhaling microplastics, although the health implications of that are unclear. So we have found plastic at the deepest parts of the ocean. We have found it in our fish, in our food supply, in our bodies, and now it is actually falling from the skies. Yes. And Donald Trump goes to a plant pushing more of it. Yes. Of course he does. In other news, toxic blue-green algae blooms are forcing beaches and lakes to close around the country. Toxic algae blooms are caused by excessive fertilizer runoff from farms combined with high water temperatures due to global warming. Pet owners and parents of small children should be extra cautious. In North Carolina, a toxic blue-green algae bloom killed three dogs within hours of coming into contact with it. Similar toxic algae blooms have forced the closure of several lakes in northern New Jersey, and 25 beaches on Mississippi's Gulf Coast, right at the height of the summer tourism season. Well, you're just little Mary Sunshine today, aren't you? Well, just wait. There's more. Oh, boy. Just days after severely weakening the Endangered Species Act to make it harder to protect species from extinction, the Trump administration on Wednesday announced it has denied protections for six imperiled species, from bees decimated by industrial agriculture to salamanders threatened by logging to the iconic Joshua trees that are threatened by man-made global warming. The Trump administration has now declined to protect more than 60 species, and it's protected only 18, the lowest of any president at this point in his administration. Finally, some good news. Thank you. A coalition of 29 democratically controlled states this week sued to block the Trump administration from weakening the first-ever emission standards for coal-burning power plants, established by President Obama's landmark Clean Power Plan. The new lawsuit argues that the Trump EPA's replacement plan is insufficient to reduce emissions and that the EPA is negligent in its obligation to address climate change under the Clean Air Act. In a press conference announcing the lawsuit, California Governor Gavin Newsom noted that the state is reaching its clean energy targets even faster than predicted while its economy is booming. At a much faster clip, eat your heart out, Donald Trump, than the United States itself. And we are rolling back our greenhouse gas emissions. So we're lowering our emissions out here in California, and yet it's not hurting the economy. In fact, our economy is growing faster than the rest of the country, even while we're doing that. Exactly. I'm starting to believe that Fox News has been lying to us about all of this for so many years. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website, at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. So this is what the truth feels like. So much truth on this program, so <laughs> little try. time. Yeah, Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yep. And my thanks to my guest today, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance and her successful lawsuit so far in the state of Georgia and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's important program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Share it with your friends, families, neighbors, and enemies. 
uh, bradblog.com. And that is, of course, thanks to those of you who support our work here by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Your support is why we are on the public airwaves uh, talking about stuff that, you know, other people simply do not. bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find, follow, and share me there, I hope, at simply the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. So this is what the truth is.